Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. It's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage four prostate cancer, so during the initial stages of the COVID-19 outbreak, my doctors advised me to stay at home. But now, a little more than a year later, I'm fully vaccinated and I've rejoined society. But I'm still continuing this podcast when I'm calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I've met throughout my 30 years in this industry. Plus, this year, I'm going to be calling some people and making new friends. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. When I started this second season of the Life of Fitz podcast, I told you that I was going to reach out to some people that I'd never met before because the premise of this podcast was me calling old friends and catching up during the pandemic. And here we are with only the second time I've done that here in the second season. This is the 49th conversation of the Life of Fitz. So the fact I've gone this long without calling people I hadn't met before kind of shocks me. This one, though, I'm really looking forward to. Coach Donnie Campbell played quarterback at K-State in the mid-80s. He was on campus when I was on campus. So there's something there we have in common. And that's not why you might know Coach Donnie Campbell. Coach Donnie Campbell in the 90s in Kansas City coached a young player named Jason Sudeikis. That Jason Sudeikis. The guy that now plays Ted Lasso on Apple TV's streaming show. That is absolutely incredible. My favorite show I'm streaming right now. One of my favorite shows I've seen in a long time. Charming, funny, entertaining. It hits on so many chords. Sudeikis is brilliant. But Coach Campbell, it turns out, is part of the inspiration for the Ted Lasso character, which came as a shock to him when he found out about it. And I'm really looking forward to speaking with Coach Campbell because I have a feeling this is going to be a lot of fun. He started off coaching in the Shawnee Mission School District, moved to the Blue Valley School District on the Kansas City side, and now coaches in Lee Summit, Missouri. So let's call Donnie Campbell in Lake Winnebago, Missouri. Jim. Hey, Coach. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to just dive in. I, I got so many questions for you. Great. My, my wife and I watched Ted Lasso Friday as soon as we could. As soon as we were paired up when she got home from work, we watched it. Do you do the same thing at your house? Yes, we do. Okay. Um, we watched the. I didn't really know that that Jason, you know, was inspired, of course, by some people, me, of course, and one of, was one of them. And one of the teachers I teach with said, God, you're, you're famous. And I said, what are, you talk, what are you talking about? And he says, well, if you watch the show Ted Lasso with Jason Sudeikis, I said, no, I haven't. I, so <laughs> well, my wife and I watched it in, in the first season and we, we, the first Two was, uh, you know, the first two episodes on the on the first season were okay, but then we got hooked by the characters, and we just we we're hooked on it. We just loved it. Um, we started, of course, we did the first two episodes of the of the second season, and watched it, and you know, we just love it. Um, we're just I'm just so proud of Jason, and but it's it's a really good show that you get hooked on very quickly. Well. Here's the thing. When you watch it, do you see any of yourself in this? What what exactly do you think about you helped bring about this character? Because it's obviously not um, 
him mimicking you. I can, I've spoken with you for one minute and I can tell, um, he's not doing an impression of you. He's doing kind of a folksy version of you, isn't he? Yeah. I, I think the one thing that I've always tried to do in my coaching and, and again, I'm, I got into teaching and coaching. Um, my parents did not want me to teach and coach. <laughs> they, they, but they supported me in being a teacher and coach was by the coaches and teachers I had, you know, they had a huge impact on my life and I wanted to do, do the same thing. And, and when I, when I coach, I always try to, I always start practice with a thought for the day. And, um, I would get the thought for the day when I coached Jason at Shiny Mission West. And of course, then I was in my early thirties and, um, and I would, whatever I thought was relevant for that day, I would, uh, do a saying or a, you know, something from John Wooden's book that I had, because I had a tremendous respect for John Wooden and, and how he did things. And, and, you know, you, you wonder sometimes when you're doing that as a coach and a teacher is, are they listening? Well, I don't know how much Jason was really listening <laughs> at that time. <laughs> as all of us were at that age, you know, I think a lot of us thought we were a lot smarter at that age than we really are. But, um, he, you know, he filed that away somewhere, and uh, and 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 now he uses that those things, those um, life learning lessons with what you see in the show, and I, I think that's what he got from me. Yeah, that's kind of what I suspected. Uh, you know, sometimes he'll tell stories to the players, and and I'm like, yeah, that's that sounds like something he's extracted somewhere along the way because. It's an amazing character. He's he's done a brilliant, brilliant job, and he he deliver he deserves all the accolades he's getting, and that's plenty of accolades. Um, but you're right; it, the show's so much more than Jason. The the way they've crafted this these this collection of characters is brilliant. The writing's incredible. I I think when I watch it as a coach, I see each one of the players that. He- working with you know you've always got a player that doesn't always buy what you're doing you, you and, and you know not just by the way they play but their body language and 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 and, and what he does with the, the the people that are in that in that show that is such a great leadership tip is he um doesn't get on them he he uses positive reinforcement. You know, he almost, um, you know, like with his boss, you know, the gal that he t- brings in yeah. stuff every day to them. You know, he showers them with not. I don't know if it's gifts, but he tries to speak greatness into them. And I think that is such a great in the world we live in right now. That's such a great lesson for for parents, for teachers, for coaches. That you know, you get a lot more with sugar a lot of times with people than you will with vinegar. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think in this era, particularly social media driven, where um, people are so confrontational in how they interact with each other, he brings something so refreshing that we all need to see that, you know, obviously he had a hostile boss when he starts a series and um, he's just too damn nice. You know, she can't dislike him, which is what's amazing about the character. It's, he's created this character who is so, so likable without being annoying and just sugary. It's it's a, it's amazing. It's I, I've got so many questions for you about him and you because we were at K-State at the same time. Um, we joked in texting that we probably ran each, into each other in Aggieville, but I wouldn't remember that probably. Um Uh, I was working on my PhD in alcohol uh, back in those days, and I'm pretty sure I got my doctorate. Uh, What was he – when you see grown-up version of Jason Sudeikis, let's do it this way. Uh, When you you see what he is now, how much of that 16, 15, 17-year-old kid do you see in him uh, on the screen? Well – when he was in high school, he wasn't a very focused student by any means. You know, school was not his cup of tea. And, uh, but I, you know, I, I know that he wanted to be an actor. He wanted to be a comedian. So, um, he, he, 
He's he's worked hard at his craft. He found what he makes him happy. What he really, you know, he you know, there's difference between love and passion, you know, and and he loves doing what he's doing as an actor. You know, passion will last short term, and um, thinking about him when he's 15 and 16 years old, I don't. I see the mannerisms, how he, you know, how he acts and that. But you know, he he's grown up a lot. You know, I mean, he's not the same person he was as all of us are at 15 or 16 years old. You know, he was he was um, very immature. He was um, he didn't work real hard at school. Um, he was. A, a, easy to coach. I mean, he, he was a very coachable kid. It's interesting. The kids that I coach at Shine Mission West, his buddies in those, in the early nineties, they still talk to each other text wise, probably every day, a very close knit. And, uh, but I, I, I don't really, I see him doing what I knew he was going to do when he was young. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, the creative mind. He probably couldn't, at that age, he probably didn't know how to handle it. I mean, his mind was probably just, as a someone prone to making wise-ass comments myself, his mind was probably just so occupied with the next joke, the next bit, that he couldn't focus on what he needed to focus on. Well, I've heard him say that, that he's taken things that he heard when he was younger, and he filed them away. I remember I was... Coaching, uh, I, I opened up Blue Valley. I, I was at Shine Mission West for nine years, and then I opened up Blue Valley West, and I was there 16 years. But I was running a summer camp, and he showed up one day. And this is when he, with him, him, and another player, um, which is his really good friend, showed up at my basketball camp at Blue Valley West, and and he had a little notepad his pocket and he was and at that time he was with uh, Saturday Night Live and he was he was watching me and we would talk and he would see things and he would write things down on this little notepad so I think what his character and and this show he had been working on for a number of years and he was with his own you know watching things and, and writing things down and and, and uh, you know he, he, you see it now it come to fruition in the show does that make sense yeah yep it does it, it, I I can't recommend the show more to people and I know it's it's hard for people that don't have Apple TV. Um, to get themselves to sign up, but I would uh, I would encourage everyone to find access to it, do a monthly trial, do whatever you need to, and and binge watch this thing. Um, the only painful thing is they release an episode a week, and it's just not fair to us. It's, it's just it's it's painful because I I think they're doing twelve episodes a season. They did ten last year, but either way, we still got eight to 10 more weeks of, of this. This is going to take us into football season. This is going to be painful, This the length of this season. It, you know, don't you, you know, my wife and I would watch it first. It's refreshing in which, you know, like you, like you said earlier, Tim, about, you know, the world we have right now is, you know, everybody has a voice and many times the voice is very loud and, 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 um, confrontational. Um, and when you get done watching it, you just feel good after watching it. At least I do. I, my wife and I yeah. talk about that. You just feel better after watching it. It's one of those shows you watch that you just, when you leave, you just feel like you're, you feel better and you want to go out and do better. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. It really does. And um, my favorite scene is the, towards the end of season one, when he, the dart board scene, when they're playing darts in the pub. There's so many lessons in there, and I, I actually see some of myself about being underestimated in there. It You just pick these things up through the show about all the lessons uh, that are being shared. Uh, but again, through a really charming, funny, witty way of doing it with the backdrop of sports, it just – it seems like everything about Jason's life came together in this show. It really it just feels that way um, with his interest and background in sports and all the references to Kansas City, which is really endearing and fun for all of us uh, who have affection for Kansas City. The Wichita State football coach reference is hysterical <laughs> to me. Um, you would have played. Did you play Wichita State in college? You did? Yes. Yeah. 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 And, um, yeah. They were pretty good at that time. They had a quarterback by the name of 
Prince McJunkins. Yeah, he was good. He was a really good player, and, and they had a good football team. And and you know, going back to the show is one of the things that 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 lessons that I liked was with the goldfish about you know goldfish has a ten second memory, and, and that's so much that you teach with with kids and 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 when you're a coach is that you know you're going to make mistakes. You know, you know, first you need to admit you made the mistake. And then you need to learn from the mistake. And then more importantly, you need to move on. And that's such a great lesson for all of us. You know, we all, you know, we're, you're going to make mistakes. You're human. But, you know, learn from them and then, and then move on. You know, it's like, it's like uh, you know, John Wooden used to say, and, and, and I, I thought of that thing, that one of his quotes, one of his sayings was, you know, um, and I'm going to paraphrase it here a little bit, is, um you know, try to do the next thing right because you're as perfect, as close to perfect as you're ever going to be. Hmm. And that's what I got out of that little, you know, that goldfish story he gave to one of his players. Man, this is such a such a fun, fun show, and I'm glad he's winning awards because he deserves it. I mean, I was hooked from – I think you're right. I think it's the first two episodes you watch and go, this is enjoyable. And then before you know it, you're just like immersed in into this – the characters and the the world he's created here. And um, it's fantastic. And I, I don't know what else to say about the show, but uh, how have you handled, and you mentioned your coworker mentioning that you were famous. How have you handled this unexpected attention? And, you know, you've, I've seen a lot of media now with you on the internet. It's gotta be a little strange. It's surreal. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm getting, you know, probably the most gratifying thing about it, of course, is number one is, is Jason's success. You're, um, you're always, you're always proud and happy to see somebody that you work with have success, but I've had so many texts, um, tweets, um, and I'm not a big Facebook person. People reach out Facebook, uh, former players, former, former, uh, students, Saying, "Hey, coach, you know, we just love love your interview today. We 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 still remember some of your things that you would say in the classroom, and I don't even remember everything I said in the classroom or on the basketball floor. And and uh, it's just, it, it, you know, many times as a teacher or a coach or whatever you're in, you don't really you don't really see the impact you made until you either retire or you die, you know. And and to have that." you know, while you're still working and still coaching and teaching is just, it's, it's just, um, it's over, it's overwhelming in a very positive way. I mean, it makes you feel so good that you made an impact on some kids' lives. And and that's why you got into teaching and coaching was you wanted to help kids. And, uh, I think sometimes all of us need to remember, you know, what is our why? You know, I think sometimes as you do something for a long time, you, you need to every once in a while need to be reminded, okay, okay, you know, why do you do things, you know, and, and, and we forget, you know, my why is to try to develop kids to be the best version of themselves. And um, uh, it, it's just, it's just been awesome. And it, it just makes me feel very proud. How many kids do you think you've coached through the years? Have you totaled that yeah. up? <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, this will be starting year thirty six. So you're, old. you're so old. I, I can old. say that because I know you're a couple years older than me. Uh, I'll be sixty in December, so that's telling you my age. But I'm, <laughs> uh, um, you know, you think fifty kids a year. Uh, I coached football for four or five years, so I was coaching football and basketball my first four years of coaching. I mean, it's just. You know, take let's take an average of thirty kids a year times, you know, thirty six. So what do you got? More than a thousand. So, yeah. More than, yeah. And, it's a lot. So, you know, and and, and it's just, um, you know, you as a coach and a teacher, what I what I always try try to do, and I'm not perfect by any means, is I always try to help kids get what they wanted, you know, you know, try to get them steered in the direction of, uh, you know, 
to speak greatness in them in a way that, you know, they can be more than what they even think they can, you know, and then, um, you know, with kids now in coaching, you know, when you and I played, you know, you just did what you're told to do. You know, if coach told you to run through a wall, you ran through a wall. You didn't question, you didn't, um, kids are, or kids in the classroom, kids, um, coaching wise, are more educated now. That doesn't mean they're smarter. They're just more educated. So what you have to do is you've got to, when you teach something, you've got to, you've got to teach more the why now, why we do this. And, um, and, 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 and that's okay. You know, that's, that's okay. You know, this is why we do this. And, and, uh, and then they need to know, okay, is the why going to help me? Well, you know, if you do this, this is going to help our team be better, which means you'll be recognized more. And 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 uh, I, I think that's that's the difference between when you and I played and now you have to you have to sell the why to kids. Yeah, it's interesting. Kids are more worldly. They're exposed to so much more than what we were because, I mean, the Internet has just changed everything. Social media piled on top of that. I can't envision growing up uh, where every moment of your life as a kid and all the stupid stuff you said and did can be chronicled via social media. Um, I just I'm horrified by that thought, knowing what a little shit I was as a kid. Uh, The thought that I could have put all that stuff on Twitter and it would still have a record of it somewhere. It's it to me. It's a horrifying way to grow up. And a lot of times, you know, I tell kids in the classroom, I tell my basketball players all the time, I, I say, you know, you see something on the Internet and, you know, they see these these kids that are um, have the perfect life. And and um, and I tell them, I said, you're only seeing the good stuff. I said, all families, all organizations, all teams any relationship there are challenges and nothing's perfect and 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 how you handle those challenges is what is going to make you and and i think that's the thing that that kids look at on the internet and they think everything is perfect everybody else has got the perfect world you know and how many times have you told your parents um but but so-and-so's parents They've got this and they've got that and they've got this and we don't have any of that, you know, you know, and I, I know some, my dad would probably have said that to my dad, he probably said, well, maybe you need to move in with them then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what kids see now. And, and I, I love, love what you said about everything being chronicled on the internet. I mean, I, I'm glad that the stuff, the stupid stuff that I did growing up is not on the internet because, you know, whatever, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And you really you, you stated it much more eloquently than I am. It's just, it, it's it's very difficult for kids now, and maybe that's why so many kids have anxiety. So many kids are depressed. I don't know, but um, I I feel very blessed. And my wife and I talked about this growing up in a small town, in which you could ride your bike to the swimming pool, you know, and and you you could your parents weren't out having to watch you every second because everybody watched each other. And if you did something you shouldn't have done before you got home, they already had a telephone call from somebody <laughs> from one of the parents. So, you know, everybody kind of was raised. It was a village, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we played baseball in the summer and we played, we just made up the teams and played. We played basketball down at the tennis courts there in lions, you know, till, till the lights wouldn't come on anymore. And, and I wish my kids, and they didn't. I wish my we tried to do it that way, but I wish my kids would have had that same opportunity that my wife and I had growing up. Of, of it's kind of like a Tom Sawyer growing up. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and our our kids didn't get that, and and it it, it kind of hurts us in a way. Yeah, I look back from my childhood in Salina and how much I rode my bike and all the places I went on that bike. It's just unfathomable to me now because kids just hop in cars or they heck they can Uber anywhere they want. Um, and all the ad- adventure I-, I found 
with a creative mind and growing up in Salina, Kansas. It was a, it was a great childhood, uh, but uh, I would have loved to have streaming music. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm still traumatized by how the eight track tape would break up songs. I still I can't get over that. Who thought of that? That doesn't. That's not smart. I'm 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 enjoying my Bob Seger, and suddenly the song stops and the thing clicks. That scarred me, Coach. That that right there scarred me. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just good enough at technology to get in trouble. <laughs> Teach school with all the technology. You know, the one thing with with COVID that has been a plus, and in, in which we had to do more, you know, online teaching. You know, and and uh, it forced me to learn technology, and I feel much more comfortable using the computer, using you know the the different things that we use in the classroom, in which technology you have to use. So that's been a plus because it's hard for somebody like me that. And for most teachers, that's because it's all about relationships, you know, with your kids, you know, developing those relationships. Well, it's pretty hard to develop a relationship with a kid, with one of your students, with a computer. <laughs> so I hope we don't go back to that. I think it's it's not good for kids. It's not good for teachers. And uh, but, you know, we'll wait and see. Yeah, that's I can't I can't even fathom being a in that position to try to teach well, I can't pay attention as a grown-ass adult on Zoom for 30 minutes of a press conference. I, I start to check out. I can't imagine expecting a 15-year-old mind to lock into a computer all day like that. It just it doesn't work. It just doesn't work at all. But Well, two is you think, you know, I think about, and then you've got other variables involved. Are the parents out of work, um, you know, with covid People lost their jobs or, you know, there's so many variables that are involved that, that I just feel like that to me, what's the most important thing now with kids is just develop those relationships with them and, you know, grace before assignments. You know, I feel like, you know, I wasn't too concerned. I, I gave a lot of leeway with kids because I think they deserve it with the way things are going right now. I know both my parents worked and if I was home by myself with a computer, there's no way I would have been successful. And uh, so I've always tried to keep that in mind when I'm working with kids online. I give them a lot more grace than I would if they were in my classroom. I don't think our generation could have done it. I, I don't. I, I, I'm not sure we were built to stay in and be that focused on one thing. Uh, and maybe it's because of social media. They can. Um, they've kind of learned how to be on devices at all times, which is a whole nother issue. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. You said your parents didn't want you to coach. I take it they've come around to the concept now because you're pretty darn good at it. Uh, you know, my my parents, when I, I told them I wanted to be a teacher and a coach, my dad said to me, he says, no, Donnie, you're a good student. You know, you're going to Kansas State. You could be an engineer. You could be, you know, and you could you could make a very good living for yourself. Um and, and he said, when you teach, you're going to, you know, you're going to make an impact in a lot of people's lives, but you're never going to have a dime. You're always going to be fighting paycheck to paycheck. And, and, and I just always felt like this. I mean, um, 
teaching and coaching, I never felt like I had a job. I never felt like a job. I was getting paid to do what I love to do. And, and they understood that and they came around, but you know, um, I just, I love what I do. I've been doing it 36 years. I still feel very blessed. That I have the opportunity to go to school and be in the classroom and make an impact and coach kids on, you know, the, the year that, that I retired in Kansas, which was, um, in 17, I retired and came over to Missouri to teach. And for that first year, I didn't coach. So I was driving from Overland park to Lee summit North where I was teaching. And, um, you know, I had a half an hour, you know, commute there and half an hour back. So it gave me time to think. And it was very, very difficult for me because for my whole life, I'd been on a team. I was either a coach on a team or a player on a team. And it was very, very difficult for me. You know, really my identity, uh, right or wrong was coaching and, you know, being a coach and a teacher and, 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 uh, not being on a team was very, very difficult for me. And, um, I think my parents knew that, that my love, my, you know, was going to be teaching and coaching. And, and, and when I wasn't doing it, I, I think, I really, I missed it so much. I missed, there's nothing like having a team and seeing them improve. There's just, there's not all the money in the world that could pay for that. And I, I love that. I love seeing in the classroom a kid that just didn't get it. And then the light bulb comes on and there's just not a, to me, there's not a better feeling in the world. Yeah, that was, yeah. I, it, that team atmosphere, um, team building. My, my dad was a coach. My dad was a, a football player, football coach, and got into insurance because that was kind of the family business. My, my maternal grandfather was a vice president of State Farm, so he got into State Farm. And um, but he used all those team building approaches to how he built his team of agents. And I picked it up how to build a team for covering stuff. It, there's a lot of lessons there that go beyond sports, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I've always believed that you build a team through shared suffering. And and and, and some people's going to say, well, that's a negative connotation. Well, it really isn't because, I, you know, I always felt like, you know, when do, when do families come to more together is when, you know, do they come together more at a funeral or a wedding? You know, of course, it's it's a funeral, you know, and, and I think when you have a team and you're working every day and you make it, you know, I've always tried to coach my teams where we try to take make game, make practices harder than a game and and and, you know, to, to develop that teamwork that, you know, when make it so hard that a game is easy. And and I've always tried to do that. And and um, um, and it's interesting that nowadays is, you know, discipline is a bad word. You know, to me, discipline is the greatest form of love there is out there. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, you know, I think coaches, you know, you want to be demanding without being demeaning. Of course, that's a John Wooden quote. And, and, um, but I, I just think that, you know, a family's a team, you know, everybody has their role, you know, we all, you know, mine's, I have this role. My wife has this role and we kind of, you know, my kids have their roles and, and uh, on a team, you know, everybody wants to be the, you know, the score, not everybody can be the score, you know, you know, if you play, you know, play good defense and, 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 and rebound, um, you probably got a pretty good chance to play and, and play a lot. So, you know, that's kind of how I coached. I mean, I think you, you, you develop a team, through shared suffering and, and, and you, you make practice harder than, um, than a game. And, and, you know, one of, I've had so many mentors myself that were teachers and coaches that I learned so much from. And, um, and, and then I, when you, you have something that you love to do and you do it, you want to give back. And, and, and that's what I've tried to do, you know, tried to give back to my, the kids that I've, coached and I teach and, and it, it, it's very gratifying to see one of the, you know, like Jason, one of your former players, 
that remembers, you know, a few things that you said that, that have made an impact in his life. And then he's using those to, it's almost, um, so it's very surreal in a way. I imagine, uh, you, you said something there, shared suffering of a team that is a perfect segue into Kansas state football when you played, um, you, you arrived at K-State in 80, correct? Uh-huh. Uh, so that year, uh, Coach Jim Dickey went 3-8, and eight, and 81 went 2-9 and nine while he redshirted a ton of players. What are your memories of those early teams while you were a quarterback at K-State? Well, I was part of those, t- you know, I was a sophomore the year that they redshirted. And I was part of that redshirt process, and 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 I think there was there was nobody that worked harder than we did. If they did, I'd like to know because it, it was tough. Um, I can remember my first year in the eighty um, was one of the hottest years, if not the hottest years. I know people think, well, it's hotter now, but that's that fall when we came in for practice. We did three a days at that time, and a lot of people don't believe this. We had practice in the morning for two hours, then we had another practice around lunchtime uh, on the turf for an hour and fifteen, hour and a half, and then we had another two-hour practice at night, and we did that for a week, and then we went another, I think, a week of two a days, and you know with. We, we worked hard. And then what coach did, which was so smart, is he was trying to develop some depth. You know, and, and one of the things when I was listening to you talk to Dr. Weefield yesterday, I think one of the things that, that Kansas State, they can compete, but it's, it's very, very difficult to compete with a, an Oklahoma or a Texas because they're a lot deeper. And as you get into the season, as you well know, with football, people are going to get injured. And I go back to last year, you know, um, where, where, where the quarterback got hurt. You know, Skyler Thompson got hurt, and they played a freshman quarterback. Who's going to be a good quarterback? But you can't have the same kind of success, you know, with a freshman quarterback that you can have with somebody that's played two or three years. They, they, they just, and, and if, if that happens at Oklahoma, you probably get a little different result because they have a deeper, they have more players. And, and that's what coach did. And, and when they redshirted, everybody was trying to develop depth and try to get ahead of the curve a little bit. And then, and then that the next year in 82, when we went to the first bowl game they've ever been to was a, you know, a testament to that. And so his plan was good. It was just trying to keep it. And that's so very, very difficult to do to keep it going in that direction when you don't have the same amount of funds or, or, uh, you know, you know, Kansas is there. There's only going to be a few players in Kansas that are, you know, big 12 players, you know, and, and, and coach, you know, coach Snyder did such a great job of getting those players. And then, and then, and also keeping those players. Now, of course, you know, with this portal now, I don't know. It's a whole different um, ball of wax. <laughs> I think it would be very, very difficult to coach at the, at the, at the Division One level with the way this portal is going. But, again, I think that what Coach Dickey did, which was really, really smart, is I think that, he, hey, we're doing all the right things here. But to get a little bit ahead of the curve, we're going to have to take a step back. And and he redshirted a bunch of guys, and then it reaped the benefits the next year when we went to the first ball game. Well, I don't think current generations understand the challenges of what Kansas State was facing, or a lot of schools were facing. First of all, um, the traditional programs, the ones now that ESPN wants to gather – for the most part, into a giant conference, if that's what they're up to, those those programs were established post World War II. I mean, they brought in all the ex-soldiers, 
Kansas State used farm boys. And that's really when those traditions were built of winning in the 50s and into the 60s, when they just got a jump on everyone. But they had like 105 scholarships to hand out, and then it became 95. Well, it's just not having more talent. It's taking away players. You could stockpile talent, and a school like Kansas State couldn't have it. So then Jim Dickey has to, at K-State, play whoever he's got. I mean, if he's got enough guys to compete, the best guys, even if they're freshmen and they haven't redshirted, he'd play them. And it just created a bigger hole because now, even when they're seniors, they're, they're only been there four years instead of five, and they're behind the curve for against Oklahoma and Nebraska. So what he did in 81 was brilliant. I'm just going to take a bunch of good players, including players that would be seniors the next year, um, that haven't redshirted and redshirted them and come back and, and try to change the narrative at Kansas State in 1982. And brother, he did it. It was brilliant. I mean, people laugh now that a 6-4-1 regular season was uh, so important. They, they don't get it. But, man, that 82 season was fun. That was my freshman year on campus. I'd like to take credit for the turnaround, but I don't think I, I did anything. Uh, but it it was just a, a blast of a football season, and it had to be so refreshing as a player to find that success. I was just, you know, it was so much fun to go to a program that might at that time been the been the worst in, 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 in the country and turn it into one that could compete, you know, at a level in which we got to go to a bowl game. You know, it's very, again, it was hard work. It was, you know, you know, coach Dickey's vision of, you know, we need to take a, sometimes you got to take a step back or you take two steps forward. And then, to, you know, Cape state fans throughout all over the country. And of course the kids that go to the go, there's not better fans anywhere in the country than at Kansas state. And I think you see that now too. I mean, um, and when you had a little bit of success, um, it just, uh, they, the fans had been wanting that for so long, you know, and to have it that year. And you just, I think it was so many years of frustration and came out in that one year that we did really well. I, I was in the stands, um, and it was just electric by what we'd known. You know, I, I can't imagine how much fun the student section is, you know, when K-State football was really rolling in the the 90s and the 2000s. But it was a blast to be in the stands. And it taught me a lesson that I think I carried over to what I do today, how important football success can be for the demeanor of your entire campus. Everyone was just so much happier, it seemed like, Um when you had a winning football team and it was really cool and they went to a bowl game for the first time ever. I hate to tell you this, Donnie, I didn't go. I didn't climb on a school bus to go to Shreveport, Louisiana. I made a life decision there that I both regret and I'm very happy about because I didn't go to the Independence Bowl. But um, it it really had to be um, fun to walk across campus as a football player when you're winning as, as opposed to the hell it would have been when you're going one and six in the big eight back those days. Oh, most definitely. You could, you had had your chin up a little higher, a little more sense of pride when you walked around campus and, and everybody was excited and about um, the success that, and, you know, I think, I think also, I think football kind of sets the tone for the whole year. And I think it's that way in the high school, you know, when you, when you have a really good football team at the high school, I think it sets the tone for the whole school year. And I think, you know, that, that year, um, that was just, uh, one I'll never forget. And, uh, I, I tell you one, I do want to forget those when we went to Shreveport, it was beautiful. The whole week we practiced <laughs> until the day we played and I'm telling you there's, you know, wet is bad, but there's nothing worse than if you've ever played cold wet yeah and it was cold and it was wet i'll never forget that as long as i live but the whole week was just beautiful down there and then that day of the game that night it just got cold and rainy and uh of course we played wisconsin we didn't win but uh um, that's the only thing i remember about the game about how cold it was and how how wet it was yeah my buddies from the pike house that went just 
were miserable. They hated it. Um, and because then they had to come back after being frozen and literally frozen wet, uh, sitting in the stands, they started heading back. It was awful, but what an incredible time. So, um, I made a controversial decision this summer. Uh, my wife and I went to Mount Rushmore, um, and I, I always avoid doing the Mount Rushmore picks, but I thought, Hey, I'm at Mount Rushmore. It's a good place to do these picks. I actually added Daryl Ray Dickey to my Mount Rushmore because, um, he was the quarterback of the team that finally, finally took K-State to a bowl game. He was my Teddy Roosevelt. Why is he up there? Well, because he did the Panama Canal. And for me, the Independence Bowl, even though it didn't go well, was the Panama Canal of K-State football. It opened things up to the future. Your thoughts on that somewhat controversial pick by me? No, I think it's it's excellent. And and, and But I'm going to say this, though. What impressed me the most about Daryl was not the year of the bowl game, was the year before. Because remember, he wasn't redshirted. He had to play that year before. So he got, I mean, he really got pounded. <laughs> and I never heard him say one bad thing. He just competed every game. And to me, that showed me a lot. And for the, then the next year we went to the bowl game to see the team and him have that success was a testament. You know, they're all going to say, well, it was that year. No, the year before is what he did the year before to me sets him apart from a lot of quarterbacks that have played there. Yeah, it, I remember going to those games as a senior in high school and the beating he took. Um, you did play a little bit in that 82 season, but after uh, Dickey moved on, Daryl Dickey moved on, um, you played uh, a little bit more. Tell me about your career at Kansas State. What were the ups and downs of it? Well, you know, when I came out of high school, I was highly recruiting as a throwing quarterback. And... Um, I didn't have a great senior year, so I didn't have as many going into my senior year. I mean, I was, I could have probably went to a lot of schools throughout the country. I didn't have a great senior year and, but Kansas state had always been there. Um, I, I, I had developed such a relationship with the coaches. And so there wasn't any other place I was not going to go was Kansas state. So I can, you know, when I got recruited, I was basically said, Hey, we're going to do what you do best. And that's throw the football. Well, when I got there, probably, excuse me, going into the bowl season, I think they changed from throwing the ball because they threw the ball a ton. Um, you know, they had some quarterbacks there that, um, I'm trying to remember Dan Minucci, um, and some quarterbacks that really threw the ball historically. Well, they went to more of a balanced attack attack if you will so and that's not my strength you know running the ball um so i did start one game um it was an 83 we played kansas on a saturday and got got shellacked this is after the bowl game so that that sunday uh, stan weber and i were called into coach dickie's office and said that he had made a decision that they were going to start me um, against Missouri. And at that time, Missouri was pretty good. I mean, they were uh, ranked and uh, had a very, very good defense. So that week we put an offense in uh, a throwing, you know, we spread the you know field out with three people and, and uh, threw the ball and we played and I didn't play very well. I'll just be, you know, there's no excuses about it. Uh, didn't play very well. And that was the last game I started at Kansas state. Um, and then when I did play is when we got behind and had to throw the ball. And, but, you know, it, when I look back on it, I don't remember ever, you know, was I disappointed that I didn't get to play as much? Of course I was, you know, I was a competitor. I wanted to be out there, but I, I, I enjoyed all my friends and, and uh, the relationships that I got with some of my best friends are on that team that we still hang out together and, and do things together. And I think it was a great prepare for me to be a teacher and a coach 
I think, you know, there was some adversity there, you know, and, and, and some things, some life lessons that taught me, um, that, and it also helped me grow up a lot. And, and I think that, um, it, it, it set me up later to be a better coach and teacher than I would have been if I hadn't have gone through that process. I love Kansas state. I love everything about it. Um, and, and I think it's a, it was a molder of me, um, of who I am today for the most part. And, uh, you know, at the time, you know, when we all go through tough times, um, you know, at the time we don't like it, but we realize when we go, come out the other end, we end up being a better person. And I think it, it helped me be a lot better person, a lot better teammate, um, you know, I played basketball my freshman year and, 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 uh, love that. Um, but you know, I, I've always said this about Kansas state too, is there's not better people that I've ever met anywhere around the country than at Kansas state in Manhattan, Kansas. There just isn't. And, um, I, I feel like hopefully I, the things that I've done that, that, um, that I, um, I've got a lot of purple in my in my veins. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I take pride that I'm a kid that I graduated from Kansas State. And uh, sometimes that's hard when you're living in Overland Park because there's a lot of KU people. <laughs> and uh, but you know, I, I think that the years was it successful from a playing standpoint? Probably no. I did get a tryout with the Oilers and uh, tried out with them. In fact, the quarterback at that time down with Houston Oilers was uh, Warren Moon. He went bad. And Oliver Luck. <laughs> and then um, there were two other quarterbacks. And I felt like I had a really good chance to make it as a third. Well, that was the year that they cut back on their roster. The, the NFL cut back. So they were only going to keep two quarterbacks. Well, of course, I wasn't going to be <laughs> I wasn't going to be that Warren Moon who's a Hall of Famer. And then the backup was Oliver Luck. So, um, I think I made it through, uh, I went through camp for three or four, four days and got cut and came home to, uh, my dad picked me up at Wichita at the airport there went home and, and regrouped a little bit. And, and, uh, dad said, well, are you going to give it another go? And I said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to uh, move on with my life. And, and I student taught at Manhattan high school and, and then started teaching and coaching. I was, as I prepared for this, I was trying to remember who you would have played with, and I, and it was Stan Weber, which is kind of amazing. You talk about being a throwing quarterback. That was the last thing Stan was. He was the guy that ran around like a chicken without his head and just made things happen. He was more of an option guy than a thrower. You guys were an interesting complimentary pair. Stan was a tremendous leader, a, a lot better athlete than people. You know, I've said he is, and he was also a tough hombre because I'm telling you, you run the ball as a quarterback and you're, you know, he's probably 6'2", you know, 185, 190, maybe a little bigger. He took a pounding, and I never heard him bellyache either. Um, I remember he got hurt in one of the games against Oklahoma, and I came in, and I didn't play that bad. You know, we were ahead at that time in this game at Oklahoma, and I just kept telling myself, hey, don't throw a pick. Don't throw an intercept. You know, don't throw an interception. Don't put the ball on the ground. We got a lead here. Our defense is pretty good. And uh, we ended up losing. It was a tight game. Um, I didn't think I, I played that bad. Um, but that was the last time I played at Kansas State was against Oklahoma at Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, I, I, I saw the writing on the wall. I knew that they were going to. Uh, start playing another quarterback, a younger quarterback, because I was going to graduate and, and, and should have been doing that. I understand at the time I didn't like it, but, um, you know, and then I stand came back the next game and played the rest of the season. And then, and then the backup got to play after that. And, uh, but I played, you know, um, you know, one of my best friends is Steve Willis. who was a kicker and of course Stan Weber. And then we had, uh, a good friend of mine was Mike Russell, who was a tight end. He's from Marysville. Um, Damian Johnson. Yeah. Um, Andy Harding was the center. Um, who else was there? It's just, you know. I was Ivan. 
fraternity brothers was Rocky Dvorak. Oh, yeah. He was a good football player, too. Yeah. He played there. Um, Dana Demmel, who's now, you know, coaches at, you know, was he at Texas El Paso, I think, Correct. now? Yep. Uh, really good football coach. Um, I'm just looking, I'm thinking through. Um, but, you know, the, the, those are great times for, with me. And the, I love Kansas State. And, 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 and I, I have our K-State flag out as much as I can. Very proud. Yeah, I tell people when we say purple in our veins, it sounds like we're just talking about fandom. And it's not that. You you nailed it perfectly. Purple in your veins is kind of who you are. I mean, it's not just about being a fan of Kansas State sports. It You, you kind of become K-State. It, it just kind of pours into your veins. Um, and that's hard to grasp, but I am so radically different from my Kansas State experiences that I can't put it into words. I wouldn't be where I'm at right now without my fraternity experiences, my Aggieville experiences, my experiences in the College of Journalism. And maybe that's true of everyone, of every place. Uh, but I, I think there's just something special about Kansas State and the person you come out as at the end of the day. And and part of that back in our time was the fact that uh, football wasn't great. You know, it just it 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 kind of brought everyone together in a weird way. Again, shared suffering, as you said. And and uh, I, I wouldn't trade my experiences at Kansas State for anything. Um, I'm sure my career would be different if I'd gone to Northwestern like uh, was an opportunity that I passed up on because of cost, because um, Northwestern Journalism School is pretty famous. But I wouldn't go back and change it, Donnie. I wouldn't. I'm. I am who I am because of Kansas State, and I don't want to change that. You, you know, too, as I thought about this, you know, if it would have been, you know, of course, it's been, you know, forty years since I played at Kansas State, and I think about the way kids are and, and and the way they have the portal system i'm sure that when things got hard and i probably wasn't playing i probably would have transferred if it was today's game does that make sense Absolutely. and and i think that is so bad it, it is so bad for kids to because things are going to get tough you know, you know, one of the things that happens is you're the best when you go to play college football or basketball, you've been the best player on the team where, wherever you've been. And then you go to college and there's players that time, I remember my first freshman year. I think there might've been four guys ahead of me, you know, and, and you're not used to that. And so the easy thing to do is when things get hard is we live in a world now where we just reset. Okay. I don't like the AU team on cause I'm not getting enough shots. Then I, I go to another team and I go to another team. And, and I think the growth from a person standpoint comes when you stay and you battle through things. And I'll, I'll never forget this. This is my freshman year. You know, our training table was at Derby Derby food center. Yep. And we were just getting ready to start full pads because you always had to practice so many days and, and, and helmets and shoulder pads before you could put full pads on. Well, all the freshmen had to stand up and sing in, you know, their 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 school fight song. And of course, Mark Hunley and I were from the same school, so they had us you know, stand up at the same time. And I don't think I ever even knew our school fight song. That's terrible to say. And we sang some stupid song. Of course, the, the you know the veterans threw water on you or whatever. You know the older players, and that was you know part of your joining the you know being a part of the team or whatever. But there was a, something that happened in the in in and it was scary that happened. I won't go into it the specifics because it's, it's a little scary when I think about it. But it scared me that happened in the training table. One of the, one of the guys that didn't want to sing. And, and so it wasn't a pretty sight. So I go back to my dorm room after this scared to death. And, um, at that time, if you remember in the dorms, all they had was these like little phone booths 
with a phone that you would get on. It didn't have a dial on it. You'd call, you, you, you'd say, ask the operator to do a collect phone call. So I could call collect home. So I collect, uh, I, was, I said, collect call to my parents and lions. And my mom answers, I collect call for Donnie. Sure. So I'm talking, I said, you know, mom, I don't like it here. Um, I, I just don't like it. It's not good for me. And, and, and so I'm, you know how moms are They're They're okay, sweetheart, you know, whatever. And, and I can hear kind of a tussle with the phone and my dad got on. <laughs> he took it away from my mom and my dad says, what's going on? And I said, eh, I don't like it right here. And I just, you know, and, and he, and all I heard him say is he goes, he goes, Donnie, there's no welcome mat here. Clicked. That was it. <laughs> That was it, <laughs> you know, and so I grew up that day. So I knew I had to stay there and, you know, put my big boy pants on and, and, and grow up. And that was, uh, you know, now what happens is if, if kids don't like something or, or they don't think they're going to play, well, they're going to transfer. And I just think that we're taking away what college athletics or athletics is all about is when you, you know, you fight through some adversity, that is where you develop your character. And, and I think it's really sad what's going on now, my opinion. And if, and I, but I promise you, if it would have been me 30 years coming now, you know, I probably would have transferred. And I just don't think that's good for kids. Um, that's just my opinion. No, I think you nailed it. I probably, uh, I went through struggles as a freshman and, you know, given a golden opportunity, easy way to do it, I might have left Kansas State and it had been a huge mistake. Um, yeah, it's well, it's been great to talk to you. I got I got three quick questions for you sure. as we bring us uh, back full circle here. Um, how often do you communicate with Jason in any way? I have not. Um communicated jason since i had him in in high school and and, and and who i communicate with is his his buddies his best friends i've never asked for his cell phone number I, I probably could get it if i you know i just feel like he's got enough people pulling his shirt tails he doesn't need his his high school basketball coach bothering him if he wants to reach out and and talk would love for him to do. And, and, uh, I'm glad that I got to send a message to him, um, via the today show when I got it to, you know, tell him how proud we were of him here. And, and, uh, but you know, I, I just, I just think that he's got so many things going on. He doesn't need his, and another person calling him up and, and, and bothering him. If he has some time, I'm sure that the, the other players that are his good buddies will give him the phone number and he'll call me. If needed, could you grow a mustache anywhere close to Ted Lasso's? Oh, most definitely. Oh, nice. Probably, probably better. I'd probably grow one that's got handlebars on it, you know. And <laughs> Nice. Because <laughs> that thing's spectacular. I mean, that is... That's Magnum PI mustache level that what he's rocking on the show. Oh, I think I could grow one that would be pretty good. That's awesome. And finally, for all of us in this area who claim Jason proudly, along with all the incredible comedic talent, what was going on in Kansas City in the 90s with all these comedians that came out of there? It's absolutely incredible. Uh, could you call him up, get his number, call him up, say we need all the episodes as soon as possible. Just send them to us privately. I, my wife want that's a question for my wife can we get these episodes sooner <laughs> I, you know my wife is would would love what she's been saying she says you need to call jason up and have, you need to be on the third season as a cameo performance and i said to her i said well they put me on there i'll probably hurt their ratings <laughs> So, but you know, I uh, again, I agree with you. I would, I would like to. We would probably, if we could get all the episodes as we speak, we would probably sit down and watch them all and, and binge them all in one day. They're that good. You could be the Stan Lee of Marvel movies with Ted Lasso. I'd love that. I'd love it. <laughs> Coach, oh, wow. I appreciate it a ton. It's been really, really fun. Well, I, thanks for having me on, and and, uh, and I'm just glad that he's having some success. I will talk to you later, and let me know when you're in town. I'll do it. You know, this podcast has been interesting because I started off during the pandemic doing it. I did 30-some episodes, but it was all people 
I knew before. And for the most part, with one exception, the season's been people I've known before. So you're one of the new friends I've made through this podcast, and it's good to have you in my life. Well, thank you. And I want, I want to end on this. I, I listened to the one yesterday that you sent me with, with Dr. Weefold, and he made so much sense on this realignment that, um, you know, it, 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 he just, he, he nailed it. And, and I think that one of the things he said that I got of is, you know, you better take care of yourself. You know, you, you, you can't plan on somebody else to take care of you. Yep. yep. You got to be proactive, I think. That's true for life, not just realignment, isn't it? You betcha. Okay, Coach, I will talk at you later, buddy. Thanks so very much for having me on. You bet. That was fun. That was fun on many levels, but mostly because Donnie's just conversational. Man, he's easy to talk to. And I picked that up immediately when I texted him, got his number, sent him the, hey, you want to chat text, you know? And uh, immediately we kind of hit it off. That's a good dude right there. You can pick up the K-State in him throughout that conversation. I hope Jason Sudeikis reaches out to him because I would love to be privy to that conversation. Well, we've got one more episode to go in this season of Life of Fits. I haven't picked out who it is, but we've got to finish with a bang because that will be my 50th conversation I've had with this podcast. And that blows my mind right there. And it blows my mind that 48 of them will end up being people that I knew before I even pushed the record button on a podcast. That's amazing. But that conversation I just had with Coach Campbell makes it worth it because that's a guy I'll probably have a beer with in the very, very near future. And this is the point of the podcast when I remind you guys, if you're getting up there in the years like Coach Campbell and I, make sure you get your PSA scored. It is the best way for early detection of prostate cancer. And that early detection, even though we caught it just in the nick of time, probably saved my life. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.